it just can't be free of the eight common allergens. It can't it just can't be natural. It also has to taste good because if it doesn't taste good, what good is it? You know, if, if we don't make a product that the person who can't have gluten likes, but also their family member who can have gluten. You're listening to the Allergy Free Hustle, the podcast that highlights creators, founders, administrators, managers, owners, and innovators of allergy-free brands, businesses, and services. I am your host, Nicole Farkason. Let's get into the show. Hi, dude. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you today? I couldn't be better. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the Allergy Free Hustle podcast. You know, I'm excited to be here. I've I've heard it before. I love it. So I'm thrilled to be a part of it. All right. So tell me a little about yourself. Well, I'm a father of four with a lovely wife. And I live in Mendham, New Jersey, which is 35 miles west of Manhattan. I love I love to do a service. I'm involved in I'm on the board of Morris Arts. I have been a longtime coach in soccer and basketball and even baseball. You know, I'm, I'm a perfect example of those who cannot do coach. I mean, I can I can play around at it, but I enjoy coaching kids. I'm involved in with special needs kids I run a program called Top Soccer and Buddy Hoops, which is one-to-one socialization around a soccer ball or a basketball with high school kids and kids with special needs. And actually we made that virtual this spring and opened up a summer camp for uh, kids with special needs over Zoom this summer. And that's been a lot of fun. And I like getting involved in other service opportunities. So it's a lot of fun. It really, Booker T. Washington has a quote to lift yourself up, lifts up someone else. And I really find that to be true. I enjoy it quite a bit. And then I have on the business side, I have three businesses. We have our oldest business is a company called Ruco Incorporated and in that we do natural products education for retailers. And then we have a business called the Ronaton Group, which is the second oldest business that we have. And that is a number of different brands for the natural marketplace including Holy Wholesome, which is baked foods for the natural marketplace, natural and organic pie shells and pies and cookies and things like that. Holy Gluten-Free, which is allergy-friendly baked goods, pie shells and pizza shells and pizza dough and, and brownies and cookies and things like that. Metabol Energy Bites, which is another allergy-friendly brand that's, if you think of a nutrition bar and you made it into small bite-sized balls and you made it free of the eight common allergens while still having a lot of protein and uh, lower sugar and high in fiber and unique Belgique, which is authentic imported Belgian waffles and blissfully better, which is organic chocolate that's made with organic coconut instead of refined sugar. And then the third business is allergen free bakers, which is our bakery. That's an industrial bakery. That's free of the eight common allergens that helps produce product for our holy gluten-free line and our metabol line. 
So that's kind of me. So tell me a little bit about your background. Well, let's see. I, I went to college in South Bend, Indiana and was in business economics and computer applications. And after that, I worked for the Kroger company for a couple of years and then came back to New Jersey. That was in Atlanta, came back to New Jersey to join the business that my father had started, which is RUCO, which I alluded to earlier. And that was a pretty long time ago. That was 1987. So, you know, this business is a family business. Uh, all, all of them are family businesses. And so I've been in the food business in some ways all my life, dating back to when I was in, you know, elementary school, riding around with my sister, delivering bread to, to delis in the, in the 70s or helping out in the, in the bakery we had back then. And so food has been part of my business life and personal life forever, uh, forever. And, you know, kind of learned about the business, learned about food from you know, the exposure over the past, I guess, what, 40 years or 50 years, really, when you, when you get right down to it. Do you have any illness complications? I am really fortunate in that I don't. I kind of got a cast iron stomach and uh, you know, in some ways that gives me real empathy for the people who have challenges. I mean, the way we came to Allergy Friendly was because of kind of serving the needs of people within our own company. When, when we first started Holy Wholesome, the baked food for the natural marketplace back, back in 1996, even celiac wasn't really that well known. People didn't really understand about gluten-free, but one of our one of our lead educators on our Ruco team was uh, she has celiac and she's had it for many years, and she kept on saying, you know, why can't we do something that's gluten-free? Why can't we do something that's gluten-free? And you know, the vice president of of sales for Holy Holstom, she was celiac as well, and she was also advocating. And the big concern was that you know if we were going to do something to meet the needs of the gluten-free person or family, or even more importantly, you know, extend that to the other allergies. Since so many people with one allergy have more than have an additional allergy, we just wanted to make sure that if we were doing it, it was done in a place that was, that was free, you know, that we didn't have to worry about cross-contamination and wanting to do it perfectly held us up from doing it all for quite a long time because and we just couldn't find a place where we could do it and have it be segregated and have it be efficient because, you know, it's one thing to say, well, let's not have any uh, raw material, any other allergens in the bakery. It's another to try and have it be a bakery that's, that's efficient with modern equipment and where there's enough business where you can be successful in producing. So it took us some time to get to it, but we finally were able to we found a way to do it about, I guess, eight years ago in a segregated environment. And then a little over five and a half years ago, we went ahead and put up an entire facility that was dedicated. And it's been a great ride on that. And it's been, it's been exciting to produce really good uh, allergy-friendly product without sacrifice, because that's one of the things we're always concerned about is making sure that the product, it just can't be free of the eight common allergens. It can't, it just can't be natural. It also has to taste good because if it doesn't taste good, what good is it? You know, if, if we don't make a product that the person who can't have gluten likes, but also 
their family member who can have gluten likes too, then I think we're failing our ourselves and we're failing our customers. And we hope what we've created and are creating is a product that you know you could have with and you have allergies and not worry about it, but also be able to sit down next to somebody else and have the same meal and have them enjoy it just as much as you do. Now tell me a little bit about Runaton on the food allergy aspect. Now we're we're aware and concerned about food allergies in everything we do. So almost all of our product is vegan and you know to that extent it takes care of people who have you know egg allergies and and dairy allergies. Gluten there's a, a number of our brands do have gluten in them but wholly gluten-free and and metabol are free of the eight common allergens. Anybody on this podcast doesn't need to need to restate it but you know dairy, soy, wheat, eggs, peanuts, tree nuts and of course fish and shellfish. So wholly gluten-free, free of all of them, um, which also makes them vegan and metabol energy baits also free of all of them, which makes them vegan too. Products, again, to talk a little bit more about the products in wholly, wholly gluten-free and metabol. You know, in wholly gluten-free, we have our pie shells, which are two nine-inch pie shells and make a pretty darn good pie, really darn good pie, quiche or whatever. We have pizza crust and pizza dough. So pizza dough means you can make it into a lot of different things. You can make a pizza if you want of any size you want. You can make a stromboli. You can make garlic knots. You can make a focaccia. You can make cinnamon rolls. You can make a lot of different things out of it, which you know our customers find really appealing. And then we also have our brownies, which I got to tell you are decadent. They're a really good brownie. It's something where, you know, we're at, we have people who try them and say, well, what this can't be. This can't be allergen free. It can't be. It just tastes too good. So it took us a long time to kind of crack the code of how we we got the egg, would get the eggs out of there because eggs can be so important in baking. But it's a nice adult tasting brownie. And by adult, I mean, it's not too sweet. It's It's a nice amount of dark chocolate in there. And it's real, it's, it has great texture. It lasts a long time. And then we also are just launching our chocolate chunk cookies, which are again, free of the eight commons. And they're really, really good. We've been cutting them. We've been doing consumer taste testing against regular cookies. We'll go to a supermarket and we'll buy what they, what that supermarket in-store bakery says is their best chocolate chip cookie. And we will put it down next to ours. And, you know, what we're finding is in most cases, you know, and most by most cases, I mean about 75 to 80% of the time that they're choosing our cookie over the cookie with other junk in it, whether it's non-natural stuff or whether it, whether it's eggs or, or nuts or anything else. So that's really satisfying when something like that happens, because we really do want to make sure that people don't have to sacrifice their taste standards for their ingredient standards. Now, how did the Renaton Group came up? Well, it started because, as I mentioned, you know, my father had started our business, Ruko, in 1972. And at the time, it was primarily involved in bakery products. Pecan spins and pies and cookies and cakes and pound cakes and all 
all the different types of things. And then, in, and it was just, you know, conventional, regular baked goods, nothing, nothing particularly natural about it. But in 1978, he, he got involved in natural foods and helping to bring natural foods to supermarkets. So, you know, we were doing bakery and we we're doing natural, we we're doing bakery and we we're doing natural. And he started to see that the stuff that was baked goods and natural, you know, you knew it was natural because it tasted almost as good as the cardboard it came in. Man, that's actually being generous. It probably didn't taste as good as the cardboard it came in. And it just what it product wasn't good. And, you know, go around to stores and people would say, well, you know, say this doesn't taste very good. And the, and the people in the stores would say, well, you know, these are natural food people. They understand it. And it's like, well, that really doesn't make sense. I mean, people might be willing to not eat unnatural stuff because they don't want to put bad stuff in their body. And they might accept something that doesn't taste very good because they don't have any other alternatives, but can't believe they like it. So Ronatown was started in 1996 under the idea that we could take the stuff that was being, that we were making in the conventional short, the hydrogenated shortening in it, or the bleach flowers in it, or some of the artificial preservatives or sweeteners or the chemically modified food starch. We thought, well, we could, we, we should be able to clean this up. We should be able to make it better and do it still in efficient production in, in, in larger bakeries that had the economies of scale at, to produce in, in large quantities. And we, so we did that. We just said, let's clean up these recipes. And that's how Holy Wholesome was born. And we found that at the time you had, you know, these new chains that were coming up like Whole Foods that were starting to gain some strength. I mean, they were really new, but they were just starting to gain strength or fresh fields or, or wild oats. And there was enough of a customer base there that we could make it look professional, do good runs and make product that tasted good and was clean and natural. Um, and it's just been fun from there. And, you know, out of that holy wholesome, as I mentioned before, holy gluten-free. So we could also do what we did with natural, making it taste better for people with gluten intolerance and dairy intolerance and egg intolerance. And it was just an evolution, an evolution that was built on, you know, a need that some people we knew had, we cared about had. And what our our customers were looking for too, because there's a you know great demand as the as the natural consumer and then the algae friendly consumer realized that they had a voice, that they needed to be served and they deserved to be served, and there were enough of them that it made sense for supermarkets and natural food stores to to carry product that met their needs. Now, tell me, what did you wish you knew before starting Ranatan Group? Well, I wish I, I wish I had a better idea of finances of it looked like, because when we first built it, you know, thought, well, you know, here's what you need to charge. It should be fine. There's so much more cost to everything in doing business than what, what might imagine. You know, I feel like, I feel like, you know, from a, from a product standpoint, we've done a pretty good job of making product that people want and, and need. I, you know, if, you know, if I, if I'd known more, I may not have taken the path that I've taken now and I'm pretty satisfied with the path that we're on. So I'm happy in learning as we go along and, you know, even in failures where you do things wrong, you learn something from it. So I'm happy that I didn't know what I knew because it's, as my father always likes to say, it's not where you start, it's where you finish and we're not finished yet. So there's a lot of good stuff to come.
What's the biggest mistake you've made as an entrepreneur? I would say the biggest mistake is not being willing to make as many mistakes. You know, nobody succeeds without making mistakes. And if you're not, if you're not failing, you're not trying new things, you know? So I'd make more mistakes. I would have been more bold in taking some of the risks that could have been taken that I didn't take. But even so, I learned from not doing that. So it's all good. Everything happens for the best. It's because it's what you do with the things that happen to you that matter. And from failure, you can learn so much. What were your greatest failures and what did they teach you? The greatest fail. Well, it's, I t- well, I mean, I wouldn't even call it a great failure, but I can point to some failures. I would point to a failure of, you know, getting ahead of ourselves too much with thinking that, okay, we've got a, let's say our organic pie show. We've got a really great organic pie show. We've got all these great products in our line and let's put it into, you know, let's get an opportunity to put into a store. There's a supermarket called Tops up in, out of Buffalo. A, a small chain and they were always they always wanted to do more and be more and so they thought okay let's put a natural section in our in-store bakery so we did all these products and we and let's put them in every store and put them in every store and what we found out that maybe in about a tenth of the store they were successful or maybe 25 percent of the stores they were successful in 75 it didn't really work that well and it was just the impatience of thinking we should be there too early um and if we'd only gone into 25% of the stores, we would have had a success. But because we went to 100% of the stores and 75% of the failure, that's labeled as a failure. So it does take some patience and finding your consumer and finding where the consumer is and making sure you have the product that they want before jumping in with both feet. Sometimes it's good to dip your toe in the water, kind of get a little comfortable and walk before you're, before you're sprinting. All right. So tell me what were your struggles when you were working on the development of Renaton Group and Holy Gluten-Free? The struggles are that things never happen quickly enough. You know, you think you have the right product, you're, you're, you're doing stuff in, in, in a kitchen, in a test kitchen, and it comes out great. And then when you go to full production floor, it's not quite the same product and it's hard to maintain the the characteristics of that product over time and just trying to find the ways to make it consistent that's a struggle it takes a lot of time it takes another struggle is how much time it takes to bring something to market from an idea that you can have a great product but you know being able to tweak everything for production you got to get that done and then you can't start on the packaging you know, in in earnest until you have the formula done and the packaging takes so many rounds of of corrections and tweaking. So you might be working three, four, five months on developing the product and then it's going to take another three, four, five months to get the packaging because even after you've finished all the design of the packaging, it takes 12 weeks to get the packaging in. And then once you have a product that's ready to go, now you have to wait till the customer's ready, the stores are ready, and they, they'll do, a lot of times they'll do a category review only once a year. So if we finish the, with a product and get it into production in July, and we walk in the door and say, hey, we got, look at this cookie we've got for you. And they say, oh, terrific. We looked at cookies last month. Come back and see us again next June. 
It's like, oh God, great. It takes so long. That's, I think the biggest struggle is how long it takes to get something to market when you feel really proud of it and you hope that you can make it available to consumers. And then even after you know, next June, you come back and they say, okay, great, we'll take the product on. We're gonna do our resets in September. You know, it's another it's three months before the product actually hits the stores. It's just a struggle to get something on the shelf and to make it available for people. That's even good. So that's the biggest struggle to me. Now, tell me about the finance side of Ranatan Group and Holy Gluten-Free. Well, you know, there's a lot of different ways to grow business. Sometimes people use venture capital money to get a quick head start and to go. And, you know, we've been really more about building our business organically over the years. And so it is a struggle. I mean, there's a lot of things that you could do more quickly if you had a lot of money behind you. But if you have a lot of money behind you and you, you use venture capital money or investment money, it changes the culture of your business. It changes the character of your relationship with your customers because there's a pressure to get everything done quickly. So whoever invested in that can get a return on their money. For us, we've, I think we've probably limited our growth by the fact that we, we just try and be profitable at where we're at, which sometimes, you know, over the years has been a struggle. And, but, you know, patience and persistence, you get there. You know, we have some, you know, friends and family who've helped supported us. I mean, certainly my father in starting the business, and we've had some other people kind of supported us, but we financially, we've just grown from the ground up, trying to create a business that's first and foremost provides secure financial security for our people. And then, you know, makes enough of a profit so that we can be sustainable so that we can weather storms that come about, whether that storm is a recession or a pandemic. And so it's, you know, it's just financially, we're a solid business in that we have staying power. Now, tell me how the business has been coping since COVID-19. You know, I'd say we've been, we've done a great job at adaptation. You know, it's been a time of challenge for so many people, but at the same time, it's been a time of great creativity and great recognition of changes that we need to make in our businesses to adapt to where it is. You know, we have, you know, three businesses. One business is about natural foods education, and we're teaching retailers about that. And that's, we send people into stores to teach retailers about it. So that's presented some challenge to consumers, to, to our people about what health risks they put in. And we've worked really well with them to figure out how to keep them safe, keep them comfortable and still meet the mission. And our bakery, because it's a production environment, it is, you know, to be totally socially distanced is just infeasible when you're talking about production lines. But our team has done a great job of putting things in place to help protect our people. We did for a while, we cut our production capacity in half so that we didn't have as many different people coming into the plant. And so that we had some more space. We use things like face shields early on and deep cleanings you know, from the very beginning to keep our people safe. And it, it hurt because there was such demand at the outset and still elevated demand that we had to figure out how do we meet the increased demand and yet keep our people safe. But I think we've done a good job on that. And from the run a ton side, 
we have had our people work a lot more from home, although we need some people in our offices to make the business run. But it's taken, it's forced us to get a lot further out front where maybe our planning was, you know, and purchasing was for three or four weeks in, in advance. Now, you know, we've made basically made a lot of our purchasing and planning decisions through the end of the year because everybody needs more lead time and there's a lot more volatility in the market. So we need to be prepared more. And that's, we've done a really proud of the job that our people have done and keeping on top of it. Most of the industry, you know, you see a lot of empty shelves out there and that's for a lot of reasons why they're empty shelves. Some of it is because people are buying more, some of it because the distribution system hasn't been able to keep up with it. For our industry, most of the manufacturers have not done much better than 70% fill rate, meaning, you know, they're able to fulfill about 70% of the order quantity that customers are requesting. And I'm really proud of our team because, you know, through April and May, we were 90, 93% fill rate. And uh, that's really terrific. And I'm just proud of what we've done to make sure that at least we do our part to keep food on the shelf. It's still hard for the whole distribution system to catch up with what the needs are. So that's why I still see holes on the shelf with, with our product in many different places. All right. So we're going to go into the quick roundup section where I'm going to ask a question and you're going to answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Sounds fun. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So tell me what has helped you manage stress. Helping other people. What's your favorite food? Sushi, but I don't get to eat much of it these days. If you had one piece of advice to someone just starting out, what would it be? Get a good mentor. What would be your dream vacation? Man, that's a hard one. I think I already had my dream vacation. It was New Zealand for our honeymoon. I loved it. If it's a future one, Costa Rica. Now tell me about your morning routine. Ah, my morning routine. I like to wake up early. You know, I think the early bird catches the worm. Before pandemic, I would have said it's 4.30 in the morning, but now it's more 5.30. First thing is do the New York Times crossword. Second thing is take Daisy for a nice long walk, an hour to an hour and a half. And then third thing is to hop on a Zoom with our leadership team at eight o'clock. How do you find a balance between home and work? I have a very, very understanding family. You know, home and work get intertwined all the time. I don't recognize the need for balance. So, you know, I can be with my family at times when I might otherwise be working. I appreciated that over the years to be able to attend my kids' soccer games and performances. Also, I could be working at six in the morning, 11 o'clock at night. So it's just easy for me to jump in and out of the other. And so balance creates itself. I don't really do anything to balance it. I just take whatever happens. Now, you have the chance to ask your business idol one question. What would it be and why is it a good question to ask? Oh, wow. That's a toughie. The question I would ask him is, how the heck were you able to, can you remember everything that you remember? How do you have such recall? I don't think he could answer that. I think it's just built into his genes, but I really admire people 
whose recall is deep, a lot deeper than mine is. What was your biggest aha moment? My biggest aha moment, I would say it was the second date with my, my now wife when I realized, okay, this is the one. That was a pretty interesting, pretty cool moment. In terms of your business. In terms of my business, what was my biggest aha moment? My biggest aha moment was realizing that, that we could put up our own allergy-friendly plan. There was enough interest, enough need for us to go ahead and take the risk on putting up a totally gluten-free, nut-free, dairy-free, et cetera, plant. And that was a great aha moment. It's taken us five years to get to where we need to get to on that. But recognizing that it was time to do it was the most important aha moment for me. What drives you to keep going when it's really tough? The recognition that everything happens for the best. That, as I said before, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens to you. So if you stop then you're not doing anything with what happens to you. So just knowing that it, if there's a tough thing that you're facing, you're going to gain from it and you're going to learn from it and you're going to come out the other side stronger. Now, can you give some tips to parents who are dealing with children with food allergies at this time? Well, I guess the tips are that you should feel free and encouraged to call the company when you have questions. If they can't answer your question or don't, then it's probably not a really good relationship for you. You know, look at that ingredient legend. There is so much opportunity for cross-contamination in every situation. Even when you have a, even when you have a, a dedicated facility, you, know, you just have to be on top of understanding the standards of the, the company that you're buying from to give yourself confidence. If, if somebody, if somebody call, if you call up somebody and they tell you, yeah, you don't need to worry. It's all good. Then they're probably not being truthful with you because nobody can guarantee a hundred percent that there's no allergen in there. They can just tell you what they're doing to make sure to minimize that chance. All right, so we're on to the last question. Tell me where can people find you online and on social media? Online, you can find us at holywholesome.com, W-H-O-L-L-Y, W-H-O-L-E-S-O-M-E, or for Metabol or Allergy-Friendly Energy Bites at metabolenergybites.com. Social media, you know, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, all of them, holy wholesome, holy wholesome, or metabol. And the other thing, I'm really thrilled because, you know, we have just opened up our Shopify store for our holy gluten free metabol. We've always been able to ship, so people have been able to buy us on Amazon, and they've been able to buy us, you know, to go by going to metabolenergybites.com. But frozen shipping is really tough, and we finally, I think, found a way that we can do it. With the frozen product for Holy Gluten-Free, if you go to holywholesome.com or if you go to Shopify, you can find, we can ship product to, to a consumer. It just has to be, they, they have to order a little bit more, but it's $60 worth of product, which is really the same price you'd pay for the most part at a store. 
you might just have to buy a, you know, more than what you might do if you're going to want buy one in the store. But we have so many different options of ways you can mix and match. I'm really excited about that. And that just started this week. All right. Thank you so much for coming, Dun. Thank you, Nicole. I really appreciate it. All right. I hope you have a lovely day. You too. Thank you so much for coming. All right. Be well. All right. Take care. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Allergy Free Hustle Podcast. Now, if you're enjoying listening to the show, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and any of your favorite podcasting app. Now, when you're leaving a review, no need to place your real name when you're leaving a review. Just place a name, leave a five-star rating, and tell me what you think about the show. Now, this will help other allergy-free hustlers just like you to find the show. Now, if you're looking for more content, you can follow the Allergy Free Hustle podcast on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and now TikTok with the social mention at Allergy Free Hustle podcast. And on Twitter, you can use the honorable mention Allergy Free Huss. Also, please sign up for the newsletter at eepurl.com slash common g5 capital jpwn when you sign up you receive new updates when a new podcast episode is published online what's going on with the podcast and life lessons that i have learned that's eepurl.com slash common g5 capital jp common wn or take a look at the show notes on your favorite podcasting app.